Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. This is episode number 50. The half century is up. And in a monthly podcast, that's taken quite a while, mostly monthly podcast. Um, and today in this episode, I'm uh, joined by Marie Reg Florenza. Heart-based leadership is an approach to solving problems, building relationships, and creating flow that expert practitioner Marie Resch Florenza uses to transform individuals, teams, and organizations. In this episode of the show, Marie describes how during her 15 years as a producer on live television shows, she became adept at living in the moment and honed her intuition as she navigated the big live opera of broadcasting. She shares her journey of self-discovery and the, the curiosity that drives her and how she came to recognize the intangible factors, the aspirations, emotions, imaginations that quietly drive our experiences and shape our lives. And there's a beautiful moment where she shares a precious technique that you can use straight away to unlock your own ability to lead from the heart, follow your intuition and be at your best. We talk about how we feed our imagination and thus shape the world, how to harness discomfort and drive yourself forward. Uh, we talk about the real uniqueness of our own authenticity, um, Marie, Marieing, and things like that. We talk about turning to ancient indigenous cultures for insight into human nature. And we talk about how to follow your curiosity towards beautiful gifts. Marie reflects on the transition from being a creative problem solver to becoming a facilitator in her coaching and facilitation now. Um, and she describes the principles that lie at the heart of this, this really powerful work that she does. But before we get to that, um, it's a great time uh, as we enter the start of June to join the Coach's Journey community. And that's because the June call um, is open to members at the diamond level and above. So if you've, if, you'd like, if you've been interested or thinking about joining the community or you've never heard of it now, but the idea of being coached by me as part of a group of coaches who are passionate about growing their businesses and thriving as people while they do it. If you're curious about that, um, you can join this month, join our call in June. Um, and you can do that by joining the Diamond membership for £20. And if after the call, um, it's not for you, you can just stop your membership. That's like um, a really interesting experiment in how to have clients that I've loved since I've been doing it for the last two and a half years. Um, it's what makes the Coach's Journey community the most flexible um, and affordable way that I work with clients. Um, and yeah, it's like a, a really beautiful time. We've got some new members coming in for this call in June. And we'd love to have you joining as well, if that would be exciting for you. Um, the next call is on the 20th of June at 5pm UK time. Um, and you can find loads more about the community, how it works at thecoachesjourney.com slash community. But essentially there are memberships available from as little as £10 a month up to about £100 a month. They include various different numbers of group calls each year and potentially one-on-one -on -one time with me if you're a full member. Um, you might also be interested in being a supporter of The Coach's Journey. You can find out more about that and... Uh, and become a supporter to help the podcast keep going and reach new people at patreon.com slash the coach's journey. Um, and while we're talking about that, a big thank you for ongoing support to Alex Whitten, David Norris, Alex Swallow, Ken Bruin, Megan Latella for their ongoing uh, support. I'm very, very grateful. Um, so look, I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Marie. If you're somebody who likes watching um, interviews, Marie uh, is, is a great watch as well as a great listen with a beautiful voice that she has, but a great watch. So, so do check out the YouTube channel for The Coach's Journey by searching The Coach's Journey on YouTube. Um, make sure you get me because I did discover recently there is another Coach's Journey podcast. Someone didn't notice we existed. Um, and but you, you, So if you want to, you can also go and listen to that on YouTube. Um, and But yeah, check out Marie on YouTube and also the videos of the other shows that are up there. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Facebook amongst other places. But before that, 
enjoy learning about heart-based leadership from the fantastic Marie Reg Florenza. Marie, welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. Mm, thank you, Robbie. Time for exploration. Yeah, it absolutely will be. Um, and we were connected by a lovely friend of mine, uh, I think, last year. Oh, I tell you what, we can can we date it? Because there's a thesis sitting on a shelf behind you, if people are watching on video. It was something mm-hmm. like there around the time the thesis was coming out, or it had you just finished mm-hmm. it or something like that. That probably dates when we last spoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and now here we are. And I'm really grateful that you've made the time today to speak to us on the show. Mm. And maybe like how we often start conversations on this podcast is, and I don't know, where, and this always takes us into an interesting moment in somebody's journey, which is sometimes recent and sometimes a long time ago. And it's, it's to think about the idea of coaching, which is a part of the work that you do. And when did you first come across coaching in, you know, and I know that you've, you know, for example, you've worked in sports broadcasting. So you probably came across the idea of coaching a long time ago, but, but, and, but I don't know when you came across the kind of coaching that you do now. To me, it was a, a, a long process of discovery, you know, and I would say even understanding. Mm. And this, this is because it was people telling me that that was who I was, you know? that, that they, they, they saw me as a coach or that what I was doing was coaching. Or, and to me, it was like, what do you mean? You no. Know? And at the same time, I've been a I've been a consultant for more than twenty five years, and working as a consultant over the years, I realized that uh, my best work was not when I was going to the place doing an intervention, saying people what was best to be done, and then leaving the place and seeing months after that maybe things were not holding into into shape. But I had changed. Over the years, for more than ten years, slowly, slowly, into co-creation processes, no? into observing or creating conversations with the client, in in co-learning processes, and understanding that I was there facilitating the processes, and also in uh, my many different facets, no, working as an executive producer, working in broadcasting, as a cultural manager, uh, managing teams and all these things, I started to observe how I was naturally learning how to manage in a different way. No? And it was uh, through my MBA, my master in uh, creative leadership at the Berlin School, that many of my uh, uh, students or colleagues or fellow students uh, might uh, approach me and told me, I don't know what you are doing in your life. I don't really, but you better stop and start focusing into into coaching because that is where I see that you have your real talent is in there. And that got me curious. And uh, so I started uh, trying to understand. It was through the thesis uh investigating or trying to better understand what does it mean to lead, lead from the heart that that more or less halfway through i saw that mm, the best way to teach was to coach the best way to manage was to coach and then i thought mm, i really need to fully understand what is this 
coaching thing really about, no? <laughs> and I had been in touch with the Berkeley Coaching Institute uh, a couple of years before, and uh, that's when I decided to immerse myself into better understanding what does that really mean to coach. Mm, lovely. And so many things in there that I'd love to get into, explore more. Maybe the first one is, so do you remember who the first person was or one of the first people who said you should be coaching? Was it on the MBA or was it before that? No, in, 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 I didn't work for the MBA. I, I, I work for uh, for FIBA, the International Basketball Federation. This is the global... Uh, uh, sorry, I was talking about the Masters. Is there ah, a basketball the, ah, body NBA. called the MBA? Ah, yes. Oh, yeah, the MBA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. NBA, in the NBA. Yeah, in the ah, sorry, sorry. I, I missed the, yeah. the word and because of the basketball... Oh, but but you've, just, you've just revealed a great, like, uh, Marie, when people, if people are, like, researching for this show yeah. and they're like me or they're like oh who's who's robbie got on the show and they look you up and they scroll down linkedin they'll have the fun discovery i did which is like right you worked for the world governing body of basketball and you've yeah. worked for like like barcelona like la liga you've done some production for the for spanish yeah, football yeah. and for barcelona yeah. i think as well so it's like this yeah. is a part yeah. of you kind of hinted at it in, in when you mentioned broadcasting but this is a part of how you came to be here part of your story is is that work all of that different work I think yes, everything makes us who we are, no. And I never thought that you know, like that sports, in a sense, would uh, take me into into becoming a coach, you know, like because coaching comes from sports, you know, like and and it's like it's a you know, a spin off. No, let's put it. executive coaching is a spin off of 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 a sports coaching, but uh, yeah, it's true that everything that you do in your life, it's it's part of the formative journey that you have who was the first one i don't know and i think you know what one of the things that better helped to understand who i was was listening better to the people around me no paying more attention to what people and i had clients who were telling me let's let's make a call and you do your coaching thing i don't need to talk about the project you do your coaching thing what do you mean with my coaching thing no or uh, Let's. Let, I just need to talk with you. The project, it's okay. You know, like, I think it was the repetition. No, you, you. I always, when working on broadcasting, live television, I always learn as an executive producer. I always learn if you hear something twice, there's something in it. But if you hear it three times, <laughs> then you better go there and check it because <laughs> it's about to explode in your face. No, or there is something. There's a treasure in there that you should go. So. I don't remember, but, you know, and I had people telling me different, you know, I remember one person telling me, when you speak, I listen, so you better be careful what you say. What do you mean by that? You know, like, so there's all those different hints that you get from people around, you know, your clients, my classmates at the, at the masters, my, you know, my friends, this, that, that, and then it's like, ah, so I think, you know, and this is, you most of the time for us people it's more difficult to see our own talents when we look at ourselves at the mirror we tend to look at the mirror and see what's missing no oh if i could be taller oh if i could be smarter oh if i could whatever you know like but we don't look at what is in there 
as the, the real uniqueness of your own authenticity, that it's shaping who you truly are. That's that your superpowers are in there, no? And uh, most of, because your superpowers are so natural, no? it's, it's like the fish swimming in water. No, I'm looking for the ocean. I'm looking for the ocean. You're swimming in the you're swimming in the ocean. It's more difficult to see them. So I, I don't have like a, a timeline of who said what where, but it it was a repetitive uh, topic. And then at some point, as I said, no, at the moment that I fully started to understand what leading from the heart was, and I and I have this uh, learning teaching, growing, flourishing is in my spirit, no? then I, I, I really thought mm, I need to find a way to help people learn from the inside out. Mm. Mm. Anne-Marie, you know, your back background, the, the things you've done, there's a real variety in there, you know, 25 years as a consultant is what you said before, but in a way that doesn't do justice. To the, for, for me, it doesn't do justice to the texture and the different things that you've done in your work to this stage. Curation, founding organizations or communities, the broadcasting we've talked about. When you, how do you think about the story of your working life? It was a journey of discovery and exploration, really. You know, like, uh, and 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 I think, what to me, working and living, so being a person and being a professional have been very tight one to the other. No, so I have become the person who I am through work. So I do take my 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 working journeys, my personal flourishing journey as a person. Mm -hmm. No, and and since early age. I was looking for answers uh, and, and you know, like working on the different jobs, you know, those were tiny expressions or expressions of my different selves, my creative self, you know, working as an artist, my communicative self, working as a radio presenter, my my team builder self, working as a team manager, my performative uh, self, uh, working in, 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 in live uh, performances, my teaching self, my, you know, like my writing self, working in communication, my problem solver self, working as an engineer, like all my different, like exploring all my different self and, and learning out of it, no? Learning, learning about my own self, discovering my own self, no? And, and they, they, they are very hybrid. They are very different. They, they, they are, there's a, it's a big palette of things, but there is always, uh, there is always something in there, no? Like this trying to be my best trying to service in the best possible way, trying to generate a positive impact in the world, no? in whichever way, in whichever shape, in whichever situation. In, and that was my, my, it was my search. It was a search. It was a search. Mm. This might be a strange question, given what you just said, and we'll come back to the kind of 
some of that in a minute. But I, I'm curious if there were, when you think about all those different selves that have been expressed and practiced and all the different roles you've done, whether somewhere, you know, the personal flourishing journey, it strikes me there are kind of two <laughs> ways to learn on a personal flourishing journey. The moments when you really flourish, which, you you know, we can kind of think, oh, this is the kind of place I flourish, and the, the moments when we really don't flourish. And I'm wondering about those, were there, have there been moments that you really didn't feel like you were flourishing on the personal flourishing journey? And what did you learn from them? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a profound curious person. And uh, with, uh, with, with the danger of sounding not being humble, which I, I do believe I'm humble, I am very good at many, very, at many different things, you know? Like, and this, my ability to learn and doing things right and my curiosity have put me always in a position where no matter what I was doing, if it was doing coffee behind the bar or if it was directing a TV show or if it was managing a team at an international uh, live broadcasting event, I was always learning. No? And I think that was that's what has kept me, uh, I would say, flourishing despite maybe not being in my spring. Mm. <laughs> Let's or in on uh, yet there were moments of wonder, no? Like, am I really where I should be? Am I really doing all I could be doing? Am I really in my and there were moments of discomfort? Yes, I can do this really well, but I am not that. Or there's something else I need to be, I need to be doing, no? So that moments where where I needed more space to grow. I could feel like wherever I was working on with what I was working was creating oppression and, and not and not and not expansion on me, no? On, on that so I could understand. So for you to understand, I quit television, maybe, I don't know, maybe at least once a year for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> at least once a year for 15 years. No? Mm. And yet nowadays, I believe if I am as good as I believe I am and as my uh, clients tell I am as a coach, it is because I never finally quit that time that I said I was quitting. There was still something to be learned, something to be discovered, something to be, you know, unveiled, something to emerge something to be better understood, no? So there was, you are asking me, were there dark moments? There were moments where I felt lost. Mm. There were moments where I felt confused. There were moments where I felt that I was not in my place. As now I can say, I have found my place. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful thing to be able to say, right? It's the kind of thing, you know, I've got a two-year-old. It's the kind of thing I would wish for her, right? That just, you know, some point in life, hopefully for all of it, right? That's the dream of, you know, the dream. But at some point to be able to say that, like what a what a beautiful thing. Um, I love the idea of quitting once a year for 15 years. Here's what it sounds like. But I'm curious if this is if this is what it was, that there was some... This is an interpretation of what you just said, that 
that in television, yeah, you could kind of, one part of you knew it wasn't your place, but another part of you, the curious part, knew there were still things to learn from it. Was it, was it something like that? Was that the tension? Or what was the tension that kept almost taking you away and then bringing you back? You know, like you love the people, what you do, like the moment, you know, like I think working live on TV is what helped me to understand what it is to be alive in life, no? Like you, what you're doing, it's being broadcasted to the whole universe, no? And 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 that understanding of broadcasting that came from 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 television itself, no? Like this feeling at ease, calm, and flow at the highest peak of tension where there is not, you don't have even a second to react. So you, you are anticipating things. You are, you're, it's all about intuition, understanding that something is going to go wrong on that corner or something is, something needs my presence in that other place or what's with this person in there, you know, like, it's like, Ooh, there's a high level of, of energy and 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 uh, and I still love that job, you know. Like so, you do love the job, but at the same time, you feel like I need to grow, I need to grow, I need to grow, and and that's right now. That's not the space, no. Mm. Or uh, and and or I need to find my where is where is that where is my roots need something else? Where is it? Where is it? It's not here. So it's not like. I quit that because I didn't like, this is not good enough for me. This is not, and that's the difficulty, you know, like that you love what you are doing and you're still growing in there, yet there is something else that requires your presence. Hmm? Hmm. Oh, I think together or explore together about that something else. But I wonder just just for the listeners and and for me, you know, um, it's such an evocative picture of broadcast, which most people, you know, I, I have my own experiences which have given me that, and, and I wonder, I, you know, I, I have no no academic research on this, but and of course, who comes on my show and who I get to speak to for a couple of hours is is uh, not a good sample, not a good random sample, and yet people who do this kind of work have often, uh, in from what I've seen, honed some of the some of the uh the skills the intuitions the flow the presence that you've been just describing in another environment before they f- perhaps find like you did here this is my place this is where i'm i'm meant to be um but i haven't actually been in in broadcast tv so so can you for people who are who haven't been there just to give us that sense of as you were the roles you were doing, the things you were working on, as you were experiencing that, and you were clearly also learning as a leader of people, you know, a communicator. You talked about all those selves. Give us, give us that sense of the kind of, yeah, the kind of roles you were you were doing, and 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 how that connects to what we were just talking about. <laughs> I did everything possible yeah. within television. I started pulling cable, and I ended up being uh, the the the. The 
the ma- the venue manager for the broadcasting at at at, at big broadcasting events. So, and and I think that you no, know, like like going through all the possible roles that exist in there, uh, that also gave me this multi perspective. You know, like ability to see in three, four, five, ten Ds. No, like and I, there was deep understanding of every. I could see people walking, and in the way they were pulling the cable, I could notice if there was an issue in there or not. No, like I could see people looking at a machine, no, and and the way that they were looking, no, having this conversation with the machine. I could say, so, tell me, what's on it? No, 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 no. Say it out loud, and but. Say it out loud. Ta, 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 ta. Oh, now I know. Okay, I can move. You know, like, so I, I I trained people. I was behind the camera on the coloring, on the directing, assisting the director. I was uh, managing the floor. I was coordinating and I was... I was managing with all the stakeholders. I was building teams, anything and everything that it could be. You no, know? so television is like television is a. It's like a big live opera where many infinite number of people in different positions they need to play the same song. Or build up that the harmony, you know, and 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 every everyone is responsible for what they are doing. They need to get in sync so there is harmony, and you can see the result. You see the result on screen, and no matter how many problems are happening, because there's always issues, you know, like what's you you have to make sure that what's on screen it's harmony and it's flowing and it's no but everyone is taking responsibility the presenter the sound engineer the video engineer the director the assistant director the the, the people behind the 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 light in the camera the cameraman the, everything to, 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 to. everyone is like three two one boom and boom you enter in the flow no and 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 the beauty of live television in sports is that you cannot control what's happening. <laughs> you know, like you are there to capture what is happening. No? So there's no rehearsal thing. There's no, no, do it again. Go back. No, like as in cinema or no, or when you are doing, when you are recording TV series, you have maybe a second chance. No? Life sports, there's no second chance. If you didn't capture that goal, if you didn't ca- get that basket, it's gone and it's forever. No, there's there's nothing that you can. You missed it. It's, no, and I think like this high level of synchronicity, you know, this this level of energy, intangible energy that is boom. No? And that you you are part of it. You're building it with other people. No, that's a wonderful experience. Mm. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I when I think about my life, that happened that many times when I've worked in groups of people, teams that felt like they were in flow or performing right at that in the highest level. And those those experiences they are valuable. And then what I found, you know, I had one really early on in my career, for example. And, most most teams I was a part of after that were a bit of a disappointment because I knew some of what you were just feeling. And we, you know, we would work to try and 
approach that, but I, I love the way you invited that sense there of what it's like, especially I can really, I really got that feel then, especially for, you know, and, and I think for, for the power of those live events, and I really noticed it. Um, I really noticed it during the pandemic in lockdown when the football came back and it was like, Oh, here, here's an actual real thing that we're all, I know I'm, I know I'm, you know, well, closest I would have been, you know, a couple of miles away from what I was watching, but mostly hundreds of miles away from what's on, but it's like, it's a real thing that is happening right now. And then there's this enlivening, there's this group of people somewhere, you know, in a stadium and this point, socially distanced and all that kind of thing, but working in that way to bring us this dynamic experience and how that's a different, a different piece really to the recorded things. And yeah, and I can imagine that that, again, all those experiences, they lend into the work you might do now with when you're working, if you're working with groups of people. Um, mm. Then I just want, I'm curious to get a, a little bit more texture on, on this kind of your career and all the different strands of it. Because alongside the TV work, there's various other work as an artist, as a curator, you know, creating, founding different other things that have got alongside. So tell me a little bit about, about that or those, some of those things. Um, you know, like there's, you, you know, my, the multiple self or the, no, and one of the, the, one of myself is the creative self. No? And, and, and there's this, this curiosity to, to, to see things becoming no or or to uh, maybe maybe let me put it differently this need to self-express in different ways no and and that's how uh no through through you can see the if you if you really look at it uh, it's like i was having a three at least three ways highway parallel journey you know i was studying at the same time, I was working uh, on television, and at the same time, I was working in in the arts in in different roles, all at the same time. Uh, and and that my creative self was exploring uh, the meaning of life at at a different at a different level uh, with with different experiences. No, I was a. a video artist and I was creating video art and uh, media art uh, exhibitions and 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 it, that you know like art is like a door towards other ways of understanding no it's a interpretation and reinterpretation of life and it helps you see things you know, like in ways that you might not see in the day to day you know it 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 gives you a perspective a point of view no and it shows it to you and then you might say i like it i don't like it it resonates it doesn't resonate you know like but in a way it opens the door towards the realm of imagination no? and it's the imagination of someone else who's playing with your own imagination no? so to for me that was a playground on one side for me it was another exploration journey and at the same time I am a big believer that artistic expression, as it helps us to see reality in different ways, it is a, an amazing, powerful tool for social transformation. No? So that was what I was doing at the at the time. I was looking for ways to help people reflect and understand uh, life and existence 
uh, through creativity and arts. And 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 when when you want to do arts and you are not a well recognized artist and you are far from becoming one, not even not even in your list of of goals, uh, you uh, you are naturally drawn into organizing the events, creating the exhibitions, bringing on other artists. So everything comes no, by itself. So maybe even natural character, no? if I look at it, you know, even at school, I was already organizing things, not because I said I want to organize. I don't know how I end up there, you know, like organizing the thing. So in a way, uh, through through the arts, maybe, you know, like all of the sudden, you have all those video artists around you and, and you say, so, okay, so what can we do with that? No, let's Let's collaborate with other art institutions. Let's organize exhibitions, let's curate. And that helps you think in different terms, no? Like you said, textures, no? Like working in the arts, it gives you a different texture and a different understanding of uh, the human being and this need for expression and self-understanding. Beautiful. And right at the start of this conversation, and I've read you write it somewhere as well um might be on your website you said that you since like the early parts of your life you've been interested in i think you say big questions something like that how do you remember that early on and and what were the questions you were interested in mm. it's a, those are the big questions of human existence yeah. and 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 uh uh how do i remember i remember and and maybe you know like if in memory and emotions might be, you know, science tells us that they are very tight one with the other. And to me, it, it, it was even, you know, like it's, oh, it's a full body emotional uh, experience. To me, it was very difficult to understand uh, how come humans were not able to live in peace. You know, like that, 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 that was, it was, it's, it's a nonsense. You know, like it's a, how come? What's going on? What happens? You know, like what is it? What is it that is in there? I need to understand. No, this need to understand, and I think this need for understanding how come we humans have not been able to live in peace. It's behind. It's the driver behind all those different routes for exploration. It's behind why I worked in the arts and I work as an artist or I curated art exhibition. It's the reason why I kept trying to understand what was happening within the team, within the organization, within it's the reason why I continue studying at university and trying to, to better understand things. So this is the real driver behind everything, was trying to find uh, those answers. With, with time, uh, I call them temporary answers mm -hmm. because I have... Uh, observe how I might get an answer, but then I get I better understand and I get another one. So my life has been a journey of better understanding the temporary answers around why we humans have not been able to live in peace in planet Earth. Mm. And of course, the question that, that comes now that everyone is thinking is, what's your current temporary answer? Well, I think first um, we are a team, a global team of plus seven million people who is not aware that we are a team and it's not playing as a team. No, so we have 
an identity problem, you know, or an identity issue, or an identity gap in this sense, you know, as a, this as a community. As individuals, uh, we also see ourselves in very limited ways. You know? We don't see us in our full potential. We see us as rather materialistic than as spiritual beings. We are energetic spiritual beings who are having a materialistic experience. No? Or even, even in, in our materialistic, in our body, in body experience, there is a huge amount of intangibles that are driving our life, our imagination, our storytelling, mental storytelling, our uh, aspirations, our needs, our assumptions, our all these, our emotions, all these intangibles, and we tend not to look at those as part of our reality, eye to eye. They are there from time to time, no. So there is an identity problem or an identity gap at individual level and an identity gap at collective level. And, and sorry, and, just let me just catch it at yeah, the individual yeah. level. The those intangibles. Yeah. Like I can guess what you might be talking about, but what do you? What have you seen as those ones? The energetic, spiritual being, those intangibles. What are we not looking eye to eye? We are not paying enough attention at how our imagination is being nurtured and what is the role of our imagination in our ability and capacity of building our day-to-day -day lives and the society that we are living. Maybe maybe imagination and the imaginario might be the biggest gap or the most ignored, denied, unknown, intangible, that is not enabling us to make the most of our creative power. No, So we are all creatives. We are all creating our day-to-day -day life. And we yet, we consider creative the artist and the genius, no, the ones who professionally might dedicate themselves to creativity. Every single human, the most human quality of, of us humans is our creativity in the sense that we are creating our lives. And we are not aware that we are creating that mm. most of the time, most yeah. of us. What? I mean, I don't know which of these questions is more interesting. Why do you think that is? And or how did you... Come to believe that. This has been a 40 plus years investigation. Yeah. You know, like and this is a and this is a temporary answer. I would say I have come to understand. My belief is rooted in deep understanding. You know, and it's not that oh Maria Rich Florence is saying that, or you know, like I read and look and study and ask and question and test in all the different possible ways that the, all my hybrid career, no, I've been testing everything all the time with everyone everywhere. You know, like so, so so it's a it's a 
belief grounded in into into understanding and it's been a journey of understanding you know understanding my own imagination observing what imagination is observing what so imagination so if we because it's easier to understand if we go to concrete examples no whatever you you have to look at your at your at, at imagine that your your and i don't want to put your brain on on your head you know imagine yourself as a human being full body as an as an empty vessel you know like and then you you start putting in there all the things you read all the things you watch all the things you are told all the things you experience all the things you are taught everything everything every, and that builds up who you are and that comes from <laughs> centuries and millennia of generations of people who are uh, teaching the next one or showing leading by example to the next one da, 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 boom. here you are you know like, but what you are looking what you are reading what you are doing this is filling up your imagination at the same time you know like and and your imagination is your capacity to see possibilities in life happening you know like but if you understand that what you eat <laughs> Is giving you the field of possibilities, then you see that what you see, what you read, what you do, those are like, like yeah, those are nourishing you, like the food is doing, you know, like and we are when we when when it's when it's about it's like we are drinking high alcohol, <laughs> we are taking, you know, like heavy, grassy, non-healthy food all the time into our imagination and that has effects in our ability to imagine the possibilities of the world and the life that we are that we are creating no? mm. oh. and if, i'm not sure this works as a question but let's try it if you were if you if, if i could grant you the power to prescribe something to everybody in the world all 7 billion players on the team 8 billion it might be 8 billion now i think or more is it like it's it's an enormous number of players in this team that we have right something that would feed the imagination instead of what some of the things we take in do to the imagination is there something that 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 just feels to you like it it, it always has that wholesome feeding quality to it i think and this is the beauty there's nothing to be prescribed everyone knows within themselves what is needed you know maybe what it needs to be understood is like if you act from love trust patience compassion gratitude and all those high quality regenerating emotions and i would even say uh, standpoints if life worldview you know like if you act on that and you observe without judgment you know like you try observe without judgment just try to move one millimeter in the direction of love Whenever you're giving, so every moment you're giving the choice. I was about to say, whenever you're given the choice, at every second, you're given the choice. 
So every time that you have to choose, because you're choosing it all the time, I'm choosing it. You're choosing, Robbie. Am I going to do it for love or am I going to do it for fear? Is it, am I, am I moving one millimeter in the direction of love or am I moving one millimeter into the direction of fear? You know, like, so try, just try to look into the direction of love. Observe. And you will know what to do, how to do. And, you know, like everyone knows what it's to be done. This is the beauty of this 8 million billion team that, that, that everyone knows. The purpose is there. It's for you to discover and to take on your role. And your role is to be more of yourself. More of yourself. Just be more of yourself. Discover who you are. Find your values. Act on your values. Just find your purpose, act on your purpose, search for it. 15, 25, 45, 100 years. Just your search is already bringing into it, you know, like, so it, I don't think it's about like taking any pill or looking any movie or reading any book that is going to change my life. It's just understanding that there is choice. There is the choice to stay in fear. Or is, there is the choice to stand on love. And I'm not saying it's easier or more beautiful to stand on love. But I'm saying, observe. It gives you different possibilities. And that's the act of imagination, right? It's like you said, it's imagination is the ability to see the possibilities. So even just to, to, to play with that, it's a beautiful invitation to play with taking those two different standpoints. And you could even do it, actually, you know, you're saying it's not one movie, but you could do it when choosing a movie. It's like, am I going to choose this movie how I normally do? Or am I going to choose it from one millimeter closer to love and see if I make a different choice? You know, all those things. It's like the beauty of the, uh, you don't want to call it prescription, but the beauty of that invitation uh, is that it, it, it can be used, like you said, it can be used anywhere. Right, at any moment, we always have that choice. And it's not easy. Like that would be my my reflection too, just to underscore that for anyone who's going to try something like that. You know, when all kinds of parts, at least this is true for me, when all kinds of parts of my, I don't know, evolutionary self, history, stories, experiences are in play in a difficult conversation with somebody who's important to me, it can be really hard to mm. step back sometimes into love. And yet, you know, that's the job, right? Is to try and do that, is to mm. move towards it. At least that's how I, I think about it. I'm curious, you were talk, we talked quite a while ago now. <laughs> I asked that question about, I can't remember what the question was, and your reframing of it or rephrasing of it was the, the dark times. And you talked about being times when you're feeling more, because you sound really clear now, right? There's a really beautiful presence and clarity to the way you're talking about these things. But you hinted there have been times when that wasn't so clear, when there was more confusion or and lostness. And I'm wondering how you, at, at different moments of confusion or feeling lost, or wonder you talk, talked about it as as well, at different moments over your experimentation and life, you've moved through confusion and loss and wonder, lostness and wonder. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and I like to say, no, we need to get lost from time to time to find ourselves. Otherwise, 
it's difficult to recognize who you are or what you're doing or or or, or where you are. But I say and I it, it's part of the adventure, it's part of the exploration. I don't I don't have a sense of you know of suffering. Maybe there is this need to understand. You know, like I need to maybe my 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 deepest lost or dark, it's this need. I need to understand. I need to understand. I need to understand. So you can take that discomfort as something that depletes you, you know? or you can take that discomfort as something that pushes you forward. So there's no, I don't know, you know, like, like, so exactly what is it that gives you the curiosity of those moments where, you know, like, what, what, is, what, what are you looking for? What is the, what is, what is your curiosity trying to illuminate? Mm. And to, to kind of maybe, to bring it home, how that shows up. Is there a particular moment of feeling lost or confused or feeling that discomfort that comes to mind, a particular time in life that that feeling and the curiosity and the illumination, you could talk us through how that played out for you? I have like now two moments, maybe I could say now that I might remember one very early age, you know, like, uh, looking through the window at home and thinking, oof, I'm so shy, so shy, so shy, so shy. And I have to say something. What am I going to do? I cannot sing. I cannot paint. <laughs> I can't. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, like, oof. Wow. Well, I'll find out. <laughs> because you can't yet. But, you know, like that was and I remember I remember myself there in that window, you know, like whoa. Okay. And the other one was um, maybe in the three quarters through the thesis. After, after the difficulty of making sense of all the literature review and having already started all the interviews and, you know, like, and like thinking it doesn't make sense. Hmm. You know, like, like it, there's something here. There's something here. There's something here. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. What is it? 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 Oh, anxiety. What is it? What is it? What is it? There is something. But as I said, you know, like all this anxiety, it was like, like all this confusion was like pushing me, pushing me to move forward, you know, like, and to try to, okay, let me, let me, let me ask for, to people, like, I see this, but I don't understand. What do you see? I see this, but I don't know. What do you see? Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? You know, pop, 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 and that boom, pushing me into, oh, now I understand. Mm. You know, like, so all mo those moments were moments where it's like they 
push you. You know, like, they push you, at least me. Maybe you can take them in many different ways, you know, but to me were moments of, oh, forward, forward, move forward, out of here. One more step. Look into this. Ask for help. Mm. I can really hear how both of those did. You know, I'm just remembering as well what you said a few minutes ago about there being something calling you on at times in the in the, in the work, and it feels like those moments were both like we can hear. Anyone who's just heard the like we listened to the last I don't know 40 minutes of this conversation can hear that the little girl in the window found some ways to express herself, right? And they've been important, found some ways to say things, and we'll get to I'm sure what you found in the thesis you know, what, what the thing that was missing was. So it's like these things have really, they feel like moments, important moments, right? The lostness, the confusion, the discomfort was part of the journey. And the curiosity feels important. It does feel like that, that, that where, 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 what is it? What is it? What is it? That's, sounds like that's been, yeah, so fundamental. I think curiosity Yeah, I don't, you know, like, there are different types of drivers, but sure, curiosity, because curiosity, it's openness. It's You need to be open-minded, you need to open your ears, you need to open your eyes, you need to open your mind and your heart, you need to be, when, when you're curious, you are open, so you are able to receive and to explore uh, different things, no? And then the confusion Confusion is this need for understanding, no? That that it's because you can stay confused, but you really need clarity, you know. Like it's like ah, oh, you're shaking yourself inside, shaking, 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 shaking. What is it? What is it? What is it? And then, but you need sometimes you need to shake yourself. <laughs> you know, like good shakes are made of shaking. Good cocktails. Need yeah. some shaking, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know. So, so sometimes it's like that's why not judging. I don't think there was good or bads in that. There were those were different kinds of moments, different qualities of the moments, you know. Like I'm, I'm, and that girl looking through the window and thinking, what I'm gonna do? I'm so shy, you know. Like what that has maybe help me to remember uh, through that journey that uh, what I'm looking for answers, you know, like, and, oh, okay, I'm shy, but, okay, oh, but I'm shy, but when I know the answer, then I feel comfort at sharing it, you know, ah, look at that. So I felt shy. At the time, I was a radio presenter. So you see, <laughs> shy, are you shy? You sure you are shy? You know, like all these ambiguities and mixed up. So it's not black, white. You need this ambiguity. It's part of human existence to be in ambiguous moment and to be able to see things from all these different perspectives that ambiguity is giving you. So... Yes, we need curiosity. I think curiosity is what has taken human humans to build the society that we live 
uh, now without curiosity, we, we, we might not have changed or evolved or innovate or created or discover or, no. So it's curiosity. It's, a, it's, it's maybe the fundamental driver of human existence. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I want to pull out a couple of things there. Um, one of them is, um, uh, so I'll just write down the second one because I'm going to forget it if I don't write it down. <laughs> well, the, one of them is you talked about this great, great idea that um, you need openness to be curious. And I think one of the, and maybe it's another, it's another, you know, it's shades of gray again. It's not black and white. One of the, the I once heard a man called Guy Sengstock say this great thing about, you know, how when we're feeling perhaps it's the moments of confusion or lostness, you know, that what we want is the openness and the clarity, but like, you can't wish yourself there uh, often, but the curiosity will take you there. So I guess the reason I'm sharing that is if people are listening and they're in those moments and they, they don't have the natural, they, they, they're not finding their natural curiosity in the way that it sounds like you really did turning to it, choosing the curiosity in the moment, choosing that attitude which is in some ways an attitude of love because it's an attitude of like, why am I feeling like this? What is happening here? Why does it make total sense for me to be me feeling like this, thinking this in this moment? It's in some ways it is choosing love, like you said before, but the curiosity is a kind of, for me, it's been very powerful for th to know that that can be a, a choice in the moment and that it is a powerful one for, and you've given great examples of, of two there. You've given examples which, which kind of demonstrate, well, what happens if I, you know, why does it, it makes total sense to be, well, what is it? What does the shy person do? You know, all those things. So I love that. And I also love this idea that of the shy radio presenter, right? And I just don't think, I think that on the surface, that looks like a, sounds like a surprising thing. And yet in reality, you know, I, I think anyone who's paid any attention, paid real close attention to performers of all sorts will have seen that being comfortable on the stage is not the same thing, or, or on the radio, is not the same thing as being comfortable in a room full of people. <laughs> you know, I heard someone say once, I'm, I'm, I'm at home on the stage, at an event, I'm at home on the stage, and I'm at home in the toilet, but everywhere in between, I find really difficult. And so it is these things that they look, we can get too simplistic, like you said, too black and white. If we don't get curious, th that there is a, that those two things can't exist simultaneously and I, I always get interested when when i find myself talking to somebody about introversion version extroversion you know it, but because partly because people mean different things by that everywhere they go but also because it's you know my experience of what my life is like <laughs> is that i am neither the usual dictionary definition of one or the other right i maybe i'm a shy extrovert or i'm a, a like a an introvert who's learned how to be in a group or something, you know, it's like, it's, it's never as simple as that. So I wanted to pull both those things out. Cause I think they spoke to something, something really nice. Um, and I wondered Marie, if we could, if we could kind of, yeah, then I wondered if we could pivot and um, slash rewind to this idea that, that after the 15 years of, of quitting and then going back and quitting the same job every year in TV, there was something like you said, something like there was something else calling to me there was something else there and i wonder now if we could kind of step through that looking glass what what was calling you in 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 that time why did you finally move on to something new well it was 
leading from the heart. That was what what was calling me. No, it was uh, understanding what does it mean beyond assumptions and stereotypes, and also uh, understanding how could it be developed. No? So my first. leading from the heart, encounter it's myself leading from the heart. No, like, boom. What has happened here, you know, like, connecting with the people, sensing the energy, managing. I, I, I make, I make this yeah. real first, like when yeah. this first kind of experience or one of the first experiences, yeah. were you leading a team or you're collaborating yeah. somewhere? Like yeah. where, where were you? Yeah. What were you doing? Who yeah. was around? Yeah. And then, yeah, what was uh, it like? What uh, happened? Uh, I, uh, I was at a basketball court, you know, like first, like very conscious moment. Like I was at the basketball court mani managing an international event and there was some sort of chaos, misunderstanding, technical issues, you know, one of those moments where you don't, again, quitting every year, once a year, you think, what am I doing here again? <laughs> <laughs> you know, why should I have said yes for this? And then all of a sudden, you know, like moving, seeing a guy at the other end of the court and feeling boom, you know, like, like a sense of an energy in my chest, like, and reaching him and he telling me, Maria, forget about it. It's solved. And I said, but don't you worry. <laughs> you know, like, you know, and it, it that, you know, that there was the preliminaries of that was many times my clients telling me, you go there, you do your magic. You go there and you solve it. Uh, I'm not telling you much of what's going on in there, but we need you go. Hmm. Okay. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like this, this go there. Another Maria will know how to solve it. Yeah. Interpersonal relationships issues. Teams not working, clients unhappy, things, you know, and and boop, 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 boop. And then me getting curious about like what what is it that I am doing that it's making it work? No? What how is it that this team is a conflictive team with that person? And when I come here. They are all happy and performing. What's happening in here? No? Mm. How am I getting us? So oh, you can speak with that guy, or you can you go and you do it. You know, like but I don't. What do you mean that you don't and I can't? What's the difference between you and me? What am I doing differently? What is happening here? How am I helping people to overcome those blockages? How am I getting those teams to flow again? How am I building this collaboration synergy? How am I finding solutions and overcoming problems? And what, what, what is what am I doing? When did you 
realize or choose to name it leading from the heart? I first thought, or I call it leading with love. Mm. No, I thought I'm, I am, this is working because I'm moved by love and non-judgment. That was one of my first understandings. Was it that I was not judging the person and or anyone? And I and I started to observe how I could solve problems at a distance, and only in the way that I was approaching the place before I arrived. You know? Because first I thought, okay, I I started to realize that I had about one to two three seconds to. To, to build up the trust with people, new people. I was all the time working with new teams in new places, different situations. And, you know, like it, I, I started to notice that the click was very fast. And then I started to observe that the click was happening before I was in front of the person. So, you know, that moment when you see the person that you are going to meet, you know, like I started to observe that at that moment I was already building the relationship. And I was like, who am I building the relationship? No, and like okay okay and and so i started from the love part but every time i mentioned the word love people would get like strange faces yeah <laughs> you know like discouraging tone and and i was working on the arts I was working in the arts and uh, in the arts there's this wonderful uh, art mediation approach you know like the best thing that you can do is uh, uh, when you are trying to invite new audiences into into the arts because there's high resistance in the arts oh, if it's art i don't like it you know i don't art i don't so love i don't like it so it was the same kind of <laughs> i said oh this is the same thing this this mm. this is something here so in the arts in art mediation what you do is actually uh, you stop saying that that you are doing what you are actually doing you don't call it art you just do it and then you observe the reaction of people to see if it's less resistant to what they are experiencing. It usually is. No? So I said, okay, so if I take out the word love, what, which one can I use? Which one can I use? Which one can I use? So it was a tactic. It was a strategy. Mm. Yeah, and I said, okay. Yeah. I, both, I, I both understand and I think it's a bit of a shame because I think it would be, we need more people really mm. saying love-based leadership. Right, it's like, uh, uh, and and when people are ready. Now, I know, I know strategically why that's important, and what's most important is that messages like this reach the people who need them. Right, it's like the art. What's most important is that people experience it, and that's part of how their stories will change about engagement with art. And yet, um, you know, I always think it's a shame. It'd be nice to just catch the story. It'd be nice if we could just somehow name the story. That ah, oh, yeah, the, the the thing is, you know, yeah, go. On. Yet, 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 Robbie, yet, you know. Life and the universe always have ways to surprise us, you know. Like, and it was needed because when I changed the world, I discovered a different door. Yeah. And through the door of the heart, I was able to understand what it truly means to lead with love. Yeah. And if it was not through the heart, I would have just taken a part of the story mm. so you what's the, so what's yes, the part of the story you would have missed the fact that when i say 
that you are leading from the heart, you are literally leading from your biological heart. Sorry. And that changes everything. Tell us, tell me more, you know. Because, you know, usually when we say, I'm leading from the heart, you think, oh, it's poetics, you know, like, how nice, how beautiful. But actually, leading from the heart, it means you have to understand your biological heart as a, it has a memory, it has 40,000 million neurons. It's able to think and process information by itself, independently from your brain. Your heart communicates with your whole body and with your brain through four different paths, your nervous system, pulse wave, you know, like the pressure of your blood, electromagnetic field, and uh, biochemicals, so your hormones. When you, when, you, when you lead from the heart, actually, you are leading, taking in high-quality regenerative emotions. You're taking a standpoint where you look into love, into trust, into faith. And then everything in your body boom, follows this path. So actually, your heart and your brain are in constant communication. But the one who speaks more is the heart to the brain. The brain is able to modulate the way that you are processing your emotions, your perception, and your thinking. But to do that, you need to put your heart beat into coherence. And to be coherent, biologically, you need to experience a high-quality regenerative emotion. No? So it's about breathing a little bit deeper and a little bit slower, focusing your attention in your heart, experiencing a high-quality regenerating emotion, yeah, and then, boom, your heart, and your brain, and your body enter into physiological coherence. So they start working at their best. You can think more clearly. You can be more creative. You are more intuitive. It's like your whole machine starts performing in the best possible way. So it's not about a more beautiful way to lead or a more ethical way to lead. It's a biological fact that when you lead from your heart, you are more able to perform at your best. Mm -hmm. you, you might have just done this, Marie, and, 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 but if you do, maybe we just slow down on it. You know, I guess there are, might be people listening who are thinking, you know, and of course there might be leaders listening or people who are, you know, have roles in their family and they want to be in that space with their children or their communities or with their coaching clients. What's a, what's a practical, what are, what, one or several practical practices that help people to lead from the heart? I think the easiest way to look at it, and it's not me who is saying, so it's 
more than 20 years of scientific research by the Heart Math Institute, first step is to slow down your breathing. Slow down your breathing and you go a little bit deeper. That that already is affecting all your uh, autonomous nervous system. You know, like breathing. Just breathe deeper. The second is focusing your attention. So you're focusing your mind, no? And 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 whenever if you focus it in your heart, no, you're helping. You can even touch the center of your chest. That will if you you can do it now, Robbie. When you touch, yeah, it's like even if your mind goes away, it comes back because touch is calling you back, no? Into into what you into, into what you are touching, no? So focusing into the area of the chest and then feeling intentionally feeling a regenerative, uh, high quality emotion. Which ones are those? Well, gratitude, maybe it's one of the easiest. No? Compassion, patience, love, calm, whichever. And and you can you can either like be more present in the moment, or you can try to bring back into memory uh, one moment or one place or one situation or one person that is uh, helping you to reconnect with that moment and re-experience it again. Mm. And then, then is when you are entering into uh, heart-mind coherence. Yeah, and Then you stay there. You can stay there for a minute. You can stay there for five minutes. But you can stay there every time you need to stay there. It's going to help you to modulate your emotions. It's going to help you to uh, to recharge your inner battery and your energy. So it's it's so simple <laughs> that it seems incredible. You know what I mean? So you're telling me that if I stop slow down, I breathe a little bit deeper and then I focus my attention in my heart and I intentionally recreate a high quality emotion, then everything changes? This is too easy to be true. Right? Yeah. And I, I love the, the hand on the, on the heart. It just always strikes me as just it's like it does feel like a cheat move. Like it's like it can't possibly, oh, you know, and then yeah, I can feel myself changing. You know, I can feel the warmth and the shift in my chest. And I love it. And look, I think you know, I was reflecting just the other day on on one of the things. I'm so glad that one of my early coaches said to me, which is, you know, he said, Robbie, I think you should create a practice to do before every time you're working with a client. Um, you know, and essentially you've described what would be a, a really beautiful thing. If, if a coach is listening and wants to be a more, be more heart centered in their work, you've just described a, a beautiful practice to do, which would take, like you say, one minute, five minutes would, would I imagine make an enormous difference to, to somebody's practice, to slow down the breathing, to touch the hand to the heart. And in this case, it could be to bring those feelings of gratitude or compassion or love towards the person they're about to speak to. Um, you know, I, one of my friends, uh, Naomi, she once said that she'd read a book which, you know, invited 
There's a book called, I think it was Presence-Based Coaching by Doug Silsby. Um, and uh, I think it was from that, that, that the practice was to, like essentially to do at least some of that, right, before every conversation to, I think, bring to mind what, they, the, what the coach really, I mean, he might, he might have well have said loved, I can't remember, or admired or appreciated about the client to bring those qualities to mind and before the conversation. And Naomi said it completely changed her experience of, of working with people, which I would guess was because doing that was doing some of what you've just described at least and, and bringing her more into alignment and connection and, and all those things. So let's then connect connect the story a little, Marie. So is this what took you to the masters? Where how does the masters fit in with this with this story? When when does that connect I, to heart based leadership? Yeah, I finished I finished my human studies degree. It took me eleven years to finish it because I was uh, uh, working and doing all the all the other things at, at the same time and after working in two at least two different jobs and and studying at the same time you build up a strong muscle on studies and i was and i was sure that that was not the end no? so i as i always say it's not that i have a degree in human studies i'm a humanist because through those 11 years, though they transformed myself and I put into practice everything that I was uh, learning at, at the university through my artistic practices and my, my work in media, communication and the arts and, and everything. And at that point, I was uh, already uh, focused on understanding creativity as a, as a humanist, understanding human values, and uh, leadership one was one of the things that was calling my my attention. No? Remember that I was looking for ways to better understand why humans were not able to live in peace and how could I help or how could I contribute. So I was thinking like this leadership thing might, might help no? into, into understanding. So I came across, and at that, at that time in the last, uh, I, I was traveling around the world uh, with my job, and I was going from airport to airport, and curious I am, no? I was always buying magazines uh, for, the, for the flight, and, and once I saw an advertisement from the Berlin School of Creative Leadership. And oh, I, I find that in a magazine. I love that. I enjoy that magazine a lot, you know. Rah, rah, and I kept that magazine on on my shelf. And as I finished my human studies, uh, I took some days. I don't know to put some order in my shelves, and boop, that magazine fell into my hands again. And I open and oh. I see again, no Berlin School of Creative Leadership. And I thought, wow, that might be interesting, you know, like creativity, <laughs> leadership. And it was a master in business administration. And if one quality uh, that was common to all my artistic projects, it was the bad business design that they have <laughs> behind them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, so, so I thought, okay, so I really need to improve in my business 
no? acumen and, and, and ability. Creativity is ooh, my thing and leadership is my biggest curiosity uh, right now. So I said, okay, let's try it. Let's apply and see and see what happens. So I took a step into the into the direction of love. And I knew that I, I wanted to continue with this, my personal journey of exploration and discovery through uh, the masters and in the thesis process of, of accomplishing the masters. At the time, I didn't know exactly what was the title or or in which way we, we were going. Mm. And how did your and the thesis is now done and, and all that kind of thing and the, the master's completed. How did your work evolve alongside that learning, alongside the discoveries around heart-based leadership? How did your, the way you made your money or the way that you, the, 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 what the other, I guess you talked about three, didn't you? The, the study was moving in this way. What was happening with work, which was TV for a long time, but is becoming or has become something different? So the, for the last few years, as I as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm in working in in, the, in, in media, arts, uh, communication, and television. I have already changed my way of being a consultant, no? and I was less you not know, prescribing what was to be done and more co-creating and creating uh, with the client uh, hand to hand. And understanding, truly understanding the needs of the client and empowering the client to go through or to take over uh, whichever things we might design or, or change within the organization so that they could themselves be able to uh, to bring them forward when I was not there anymore. No, So my job was to make sure that I would inject myself in an organization and as long as I leave, they are able to continue uh, creating the, that, that work. So what it helped me, it was more to sharpen my pencil, let's put it like that, no? to better understand what was the value that I was delivering to my client. And uh, I would say that when I finally made the last step of my transition, no? this 15 years uh, transition, what I did is I just repositioned myself because I was already coaching. I just didn't say that that was what I was doing. They were already calling me for that. <laughs> That's, I think but we it, just it, didn't yeah. use the, the name for it. But I think it's funny that, like, I think a lot of people will have that experience of coming to coaching or, or, or you know, um, facilitation, creating learning experiences, having in some way been doing it already, right? But it's what I think is great about your story is people kept, people were telling you you were doing it repeatedly before you would admit you were doing it that's a lovely lovely part of the story and, and i just think it's worth underscoring a little bit what you've just said there because i mean sometimes we, people are making a change which is more uh, what would we say more stark or um has more contrast to it but mostly what happens or what's available to people if they want it is some version of what you've just said is the kind of the the as as people sharpen and to use your word the kind of the things they've always been doing 
in the in the you know in, in your example it's so great because you've been talking about the love you're approaching people with the non-judgment you're approaching people with these things that you've the curiosity you're approaching everything with these things that have been with you throughout your life you know you may be sharp people may be sharpening those through some training or through your masters the thinking the way you were thinking about heart-based leadership was clearly being um yeah sharpened through that and deepened and and changed but it's always available to us wherever we are and this goes back to another thing you said you know to change the place from which we're looking at things um and then it makes total sense like you said it's such a beautiful thing i i just repositioned all the work i was doing because it made sense to do that because i was me and i'd been learning through all this and i'd been doing it and i can just retell that story picking out the different things and and seeing things from a different angle so i i love that and and you mentioned at some point in this story you I guess we could say finally, given that everyone had been saying, can you come in and do your coaching thing? I don't want the other stuff. You you finally sharpened that part. And you, I think you said with with the Berkeley, the Berkeley Coaching Institute, is that right? And, and why did you choose them? And what was it like to kind of get the, get that piece sharpened? Mm. I chose them because I was there uh, during my master's uh, doing some part of it. We were uh, uh, doing some modules of the master's in collaboration uh, with other universities. And during the time I was there, you know, I noticed that these guys are doing something in this room. What are they doing? You know, like the way <laughs> that they they were facilitating the group, you know, like moving the the emo- the collective emotional body of, of the group and like the journey that they took us on and and they even gave us if anyone is interested in and I was like not me but thank you <laughs> very much into uh, but in the booklet uh, that that the, the the working booklet that we had during the days that we stayed there there was a chapter uh, about the heart and say is your heart clear is is your heart full is your heart strong? Is your heart open? What do they, what do they mean with that? <laughs> What's that? Is it really? Is it really that that they are asking, or what is it? No, and that stuck with me through all my research of understanding the heart, understanding the heart, understanding the heart. So then I I I, I went deeper down into understanding what was uh, the the philosophy or the perspective of the Berkeley Coaching Institute. And and I said, oh, look at that. I'm going that route. (laughs) I think that's where I want to go. So I was moved to continue finding heart or understanding the role of heart or bringing, bringing my full self including heart into the into the into the coaching no? and then discovering it or better understanding what coaching was no? yeah yeah and i'm not sure where you you are with this um and so you know all answers are perfect but as you've like have you have you been using that are you doing one-to-one work with people what does that 
look like? Has that were you doing that before the the qualification or the the the, the experience with and with Berkeley? And how has it changed as you've done that? I think it has changed into being more clear about what is it that I am doing. Hmm? Being more like like so, were you you were doing some of that before, but now it's it, it's clearer. But and now I understand what's happening in the room. No, before I was being me, doing be, being me in service of, no, and 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 now it's my intentional me is in the is in the room, no, and and it understands what is the dynamic, how I create the dynamic, how do I build the energy, what do I do with the energy, how do I perceive the energy? I know what I am. No, I know more like what I'm looking for or how should I navigate? No, I can be more careful, more respectful, more aware, more responsible of what I'm doing. No, so I have sharpened my skills and my ability. So I have become a much better coach for sure. And what, what's like, I mean, you've named lots of them there, but is there one thing that you feel like has had? a really big impact in terms of becoming better, sharper at this? One change, one thing you learn? Managing the energy, intentionally managing the energy. Yeah, so say more about that, managing the energy. So as a a coach, um, I'm following into into the Berkeley Coaching Institute uh, way of being, no, so as a coach, you are being in the space. To me, I believe the coach is more being than doing. No, and and the ability to bring yourself consciously into the space and to create the space, showing up and choosing to be present, paying attention to what has heart and meaning, saying the truth without blame or judgment, and being open to outcome not attached to outcome. No? Those are the, the four principles that uh, underlie the, the Berkeley Coaching Institute, and they are rooted in ancient um, indigenous wisdom. No? And, and, and I think, yeah, acting on that no? and intentionally being fully present, showing up, listening for what has heart and meaning, saying the truth without blame or judgment, and being open to outcome. I think maybe this is the most difficult one, no? When you are a creative, no? When you are a creative problem solver by profession for so many years, <laughs> being open to outcome and not attached to outcome, maybe it's the one that is like <laughs> because you see solutions and <laughs> possibilities. But this is not my job anymore. I, I I'm not the one who sees solution and 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 creates and creates them anymore. No, I'm just facilitating a space for for those to emerge. Yeah, although I hope that sometimes you gift your clients the amazing creative solutions that you see because that's definitely a part of what you'll be bringing to these conversations um it, it's interesting so i just caught that you said there that they the berkeley coaching institute they believe those principles are based on indigenous wisdom is that native american 
wisdom. Is that where? Uh, that's uh, uh, that's the work of uh, Angeles Arrien. And if you if you allow me to 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 leave the camera for a second and uh, leave an empty frame, leave an empty frame. <laughs> oh yeah, you probably you'd be cutting away if you were still in charge of the direction of this, Marie. You'd be cutting something different. It depends. Uh, it depends. Know. It depends on uh, the moment if it's if we are raising tension with it or yeah. not. <laughs> no? This is Angeles yeah. Arrien. Yeah. And she, uh, her work is an amazing, an amazing body of work. Uh, she was studying uh, indigenous cultures all across the world. So it's intercultural yeah. uh, knowledge. No? And she was looking for the commonalities. No? How are they? No? How are the medicine women no? tackling those things? What, what, are, what are the, yeah. Yeah, mm. what, what's the title of the book? Sorry, I missed it. Then you did hold it up. We'll put mm. it in the the fourfold way. We, yeah, we'll put that in the in the links wherever people are listening. They'll be able to find a a link to that. And um, yeah, it's an interesting that it's a reflection I, <laughs> I had with another guest recently. I think that you know maybe it was it may have not been on the show. It might be the first time I'm saying this on the show. I had this sort of thought recently that you know one of the things. One of the reasons that coaches are so called for is because we don't have the the medicine women in our culture anymore, and we don't have the medicine men, and we don't even have really for most of us, at least in the UK and and some similar countries, we don't really have priests to take that role in the community, or they are not for all of us, or or whatever it might be. So I I love that they're basing that they're using that that insight to bring actively and, and deliberately bring it in. Um. And so, Marie, tell me, tell us, you know, it's, uh, it, I imagine that having finished the thesis, having seen this idea and having it, it obviously, and anyone who's listened to this or watched this conversation will be able to see or feel the, the kind of, uh, what would we say, the, how aligned the idea of heart, heart-based leadership is, is with you and for you. What's your work? looking like now who are you working with what kinds of work are you doing where do the people you're working with come from all those kinds mm. of things mm. how is it show, how's it all showing up in the world i guess <laughs> yeah so i work with individuals teams and organizations and uh, i help them uh, fast track or develop their heart based leadership capabilities and, and 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 skills and where do they come from I've been lucky. I transform all my major clients. No, so it's like so they, don't, don't, no one believed Marie for a second. It's not luck, right? It's like like we've heard what happened. I imagine. Let me let me try it because and and you can tell me what's real. Like they, you were already doing it for them. They already knew and trusted you. They would do things like, "Hey, Marie, can you go over and do that magical thing over there?" And I imagine you were then able to go to them and say, "By the way, here's this thing. I've I've named that magical thing that you're always talking about." I've now finally got a name for it. It's this. Can we do it? And they probably said yes. Yes, please do. Was it kind of like that? What happened? How did it? How did it? How well, did it happen? In a way, I, I always I said bye bye to everyone. Thank you. <laughs> I love you. You quit again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love you. And and yeah, and then in different timings, people approached back and said, so okay. So now tell me a little bit more. What is it that you are doing? That you say that you are doing now? Okay, okay. Let me think about it. I'll see. I'll see. And then at another moment, they might have come back and said, 
that thing that you are doing now, we want to try it in this or in that or with this, or could you do this? Or we have this. Do you think that you can do it in the way that you are doing now? How would you approach it? You know, so, so yes, they, <laughs> they, yes, in a way they, I think, you know, yeah, now I have put it a name to that magical thing. No, it's not magic. Now we know it's not, it's not, it feels like magic. It's still magic. But it's, but it's uh, there is a magic in it, but it's something that we can learn and everyone can do. No, it's not, it's now it's not a, the, the, the marine. You know, I had a boss who said, let's get Marie to do the marine thing. <laughs> no, so it's not anymore marine. Now it's leading from the heart and everyone uh, can lead from the heart. And we all are doing it, Robbie. This is the thing we are already doing in some instances and moments in our life, but we are not doing it consistently. And it occurs to me, Marie, that that's, um, I, that's, I think you then you were just talking about leading from the heart, but it occurs to me that that's also the process in some ways that you've been through. And that actually, I think probably we could all go through like what, you know, in a way you were talking earlier in the conversation about um, the real, I wrote it down because it's so beautiful, the real uniqueness of our own authenticity. That's Marieing in your case or Robbieing in my case, right? And if you can then work out, well, what is Marieing? And then you can give it a really good name, like heart-based leadership. Then that's amazing because people can take that and they can really hold it. And all the people who have known you or me through our lives and seen the, the, the golden moments that were there, that we've been doing our whole lives, but they maybe didn't always show up as much, then we can do that, just like you were saying with heart-based leadership, more deliberately and more actively and more often. And that's well, in my view, that's kind of what the work is all about, right? The, and I, I know it is for you, the be that best self showing up more and more and more often. And it's important to say that it's not called heart-based leadership because Marie decided to put it that name because she was smart enough to change the look at ancient cultures and civilizations, Robbie. Mm. And you will see, Buddha will tell you, the way is in the heart. The way is not in the sky. You will see the Chanteishta in Native Americans, the Ip in the Egypt, the Lep in the old Judaist uh, traditions, the Cardia in the ancient Greece. You, you'll find it there. It's there. It's been there. It's been there for, it's been there until it got forgotten. So it's we have not it's not like this is not the latest leadership style and the hype that it's gonna come. First, it's not a leadership style. This is human nature. It has nothing to do with tactics or strategies. It's how you, your body, your physiology, your being, your human nature works at its best. And it's not Marie telling you that this is the best ever that you could ever try. It's the whole humanity across civilizations repeating it. Yet, I admit, it's not easy to understand until you understand. You know, because when I was, you know, like, oh, the way, the way is in the heart, the way is not in the sky. Yes. I don't understand. 
you know, I don't understand. The Egyptians, you know, the ritual of the waiting of the heart where don't understand, you know, the more I, I read and I read and I don't understand, you know, like you go into the Bible and you look at the places where the heart is mentioned and how it's mentioned and you try to under, don't understand, you know, again and again until, but when I was able to, oh, then, you know, and then you connect contemporary science and the work of the Heart Math Institute and then you go into understanding understanding how actually your ethics, your values, your vision, your mission, your purpose, it's actually contains an energetic intangible dimension in it and how this connects with your emotional being and how when you manage your emotions no when when you are able to stay into into regenerative high or low energy emotions how your physiology works completely different than when you are on fear side no? then the, when you start trying understanding a little bit better team spirit organizational spirit you know, like when you start meaning, fulfillment, intuition. When uh, to me, the mo- understanding it was able to to close the circle. You know, like so. I'm a humanist, so my job is to unite the dots between different branches of knowledge that they tend to become very specialized, but they don't talk to each other. So, and and I do that to build out meaning of what is human existence. So what I did is I took things that were said in spiritual traditions. I took things that were in leadership, um, academic uh, and, and, and practitioner research. I took what emotional intelligence and positive psychology uh, was saying. And I took what science and biology and the Heart Math Institute and everyone was saying. And I put everything on top of the table and I said, what is it? Poop, 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 poop. Now I understand. Because we look at things from narrow side perspectives. But ethics, emotions, biology, spirituality, they are the same. But we're just changing the color of the glasses. And they are all connected. And they all build energy. Leadership is energy. And it's an energy that you can intentionally build. How do you build? Being in alignment. Alignment of what you believe, what you feel, what you do, what you become. Boom. Energy. Boom. And then you become a being who is taking the potential energy of the universe and is shaping it intentionally. You do it all the time. You imagine that you want to become a coach. You search for the possibilities to becoming a coach. You go through the process. You become a coach. You coach. You want to eat an ice cream. You go to the ice cream shop. You imagine yourself that you're going to be happy eating the ice cream. So you're moved to go to the ice cream shop and you eat the ice cream. So it's all not this process of creation. It's constantly happening. And it's happening through ethics, emotions, biology, and spirituality all the time. And it builds up an energetic spiral. The same spiral that emotions are 
drawing and the same spiral that galaxies are drawing and the same spiral that the DNA in the human body is drawing. It's all the same. It's all the same. Marie, for people who are listening to this and they are captured by what you're saying, what's the best thing for them to do? Where's the best place for them to go? Is it like, how should they connect with you or how should they engage with your work on this? Because I imagine for some people this will be there's a, there's a universality to it. For some people, this this will be really, really speaking to them. Where should they go? They can visit my website. There, there is a section which is called journal. In there, I I share, uh, I write from time to time. I should be writing more. I'll try to. I I, I own it. They can write me. They can ask me for. Uh, PDF with my thesis, they can read it. They can take on the free survey that it's on the website. They can follow me on social media. But I would say I am here. If you anyone would like to ask questions or need, of course, service is my job. Hmm. But there's no need to follow me in order to discover more or to flourish yourself or to, no, if you feel like, oh, that resonates. No? There's a million ways to continue. The most simple one is observe, don't judge. Breathe. And move a millimeter. In the direction of love, just one millimeter. No? So, whatever they feel like, if they are curious, they can Google <laughs> that me, my name, your name. They can listen again, rewind, fast forward, <laughs> whatever. I don't like prescriptions, as you can notice, you know, like directions, directions. Of course, I can give directions if I can help. I'm here to help. If I can orientate, just reach out and let me know, and, I, and and I'll help you in whichever way. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's prescription. I think it's more. You've been in this space, and you've given some great ones, right? We've got the we've got the book that we were talking about earlier. Of course, you know, there's your thesis, and that's a very generous offer. There's there's other writing, but I think it is sometimes that, you know, the internet is a big place. <laughs> and to know to have some sense of okay. which mm. where to start can be really difficult mm. and so that's why i'm asking mm. that question mm. really i mm. think you've, you've given us some lovely ones mm. but but is there mm. is there anything else that either any any resources or people who have really any other resources or people that we haven't mentioned that have really um supported your journey in this way or anything else that we haven't spoken about that you want to catch before we bring the conversation to a close? I will invite them if they are coaches and 
would like to continue exploring to follow the Earth Math Institute. Okay. Because yeah. I think they are uh, science-based, more than 20 years a specialist, and they have uh, developed uh, techniques and strategies to help develop your own heart-centeredness. Lovely. And yeah, we'll put links. We'll put links to that wherever people are listening. Um, and at, and at thecoachesjourney.com. Well, Marie, it's been a pleasure to have this conversation, to um, explore these things, to hear and learn more about you and about this piece of work, which, yeah, as you rightly pointed to, is has been a part of human awareness and human wisdom traditions for a very, very long time and is not in our conversation as much as perhaps you and I would hope it would be. So thanks for making it a little more, bit more in the conversation um, for me and for the, anyone who's listening. And um, yeah, I really, really appreciate this. Thank you for the invitation no? and the opportunity no? to in speaking about the journey inviting others no? to stay on the side of curiosity to yeah. continue exploring themselves no? and not uh, not letting it go but chasing that thing that is in there telling them that there is something more that needs to to be understood or to be discovered, whatever it is, no? follow interest, follow interest, follow interest, because behind interest there is energy, and behind the energy there is always a beautiful gift. Lovely. What a wonderful way to end the conversation. Thanks, Marie. Hello, Robbie here again. A couple of quick things before you go on to whatever else you've got going on in the rest of your day. Uh, and that is, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then you might be interested in becoming a supporter of the Coach's Journey podcast or joining the Coach's Journey community. Both of those are ways to support the show, help it continue, help it reach more and more people, but they also give you other things that you might be interested in. If you become a supporter, which is paying a small amount of money every month, then you'll get advanced notice of guests, perhaps the chance to ask questions of guests, um, depending on what membership level you have, and and more monthly video updates from me, all kinds of other bits and pieces. And if you join the Coach's Journey community, then you get all of that, plus you get to be part of a group coaching program led by me um, and attend group coaching calls up to 10 times a year, have one-on-one -on -one coaching with me and be part of a community of coaches who want to create thriving coaching businesses and thrive as people while they do it. And um, one of the members said recently that the word that keeps coming up in the members WhatsApp group is beautiful to describe those calls. And so um, I'd love to have you there on one of those calls. Um, and as a member of the community or a supporter of the show, it would mean the world to me and it helped me to keep doing this thing that I love to do and that many, many people have told me is really helpful for them. So thanks very much for listening and hope to have you back with us on the Coach's Journey podcast sometime soon. <laughs>